Gospels, but John's Gospel spotlights seven miracles. It's those miracles that we're going to explore during this study. Each of the seven miracles that we study reveals a unique dimension of God's power and glory. For three decades, he kept his miraculous powers secret. But that changed the day water blushed in the face of its creator. Turning water into wine, it was Jesus revealing his authority over every atom in the universe. The second miracle, Jesus relieves a dangerously high fever from 20 miles away. It shows off his macroscopic mastery of time and space. The invalid was already past his prime. In fact, you could say he was living on borrowed time. And I wonder if that's why Jesus singled him out. Andrew figures that five loaves and two fish will feed about seven people. It doesn't add up. If you put what you have into God's hands, He can make a lot out of a little. Most miracles don't happen within sight of the shoreline. You have to venture into uncharted waters. If you follow Jesus long enough and far enough, you'll eventually walk on water. So Jesus did more than just heal his blind eyes. He restored his dignity by rebuking helplessness. When we posture ourselves in humility and give honor to God, it positions us for the miraculous. There is no abracadabra. Jesus is not just the winemaker or the water walker. Jesus is the grave robber, and he saves his boldest claim for last. The grave robber steals back what the enemy has stolen. He will make the impossible possible. We begin the grave robber tonight. I'm going to ask everybody to get their Bibles out. And uh, the sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, you can go ahead and grab those and uh, write down whatever the Lord would speak to you. We're uh, basing this uh, series off the book by Mark Batterson, Grave Robber. I hope that you get it tonight. They are going to go fast, and so make sure you grab your copy. Uh, we have them on sale for $10. There'll be a lot more at the Christian Bookstore, so make sure you grab that. And um, I'm actually not preaching on the weekends out of this book because he actually goes very in-depth in the small group teaching and the DVDs that you'll be watching. And so uh, you're going to get some really great teaching from Mark on each of these miracles. And we'll look at them and talk about them on the weekend, but from a different perspective. And tonight is just more of an introduction uh, to this idea of miracles and Jesus doing miracles as we look at the first miracle that Jesus did. But I hope you, I hope you join a small group. I hope you dive in and give God seven weeks of your life and watch what he will do. Just give him a little time and watch what God will do in your life. I don't know about you, but I loved having Don Piper here last weekend. How about you? I don't know about, I mean, that was phenomenal and uh, such a great time. All that is online, but there's two things he said. And when he said it, just, it resonates with me. And I just, I, I mean, it's just like, it, like a bell was rung inside of me when he said it. He said, and, and again, he's living proof of it, that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. You pray, and God listens. And, and I just want you to know that, that when you pray, God is listening, and God answers prayer. It's so important that we never stop praying, that we never give up talking to God. And so that idea of God answering prayer, and that number two, God is still in the miracle business, 
Man, you saw that right in front of you, didn't you, last week with Don Piper who died and came back to life. But I want to tell you, God is still in the miracle business. It's not just something he did 2,000 years ago. It's something that he does today because Jesus was famous for his miracles. Jesus was famous for his miracle. He is our Savior, yes. That's why he came, but people knew him because of his miracles. They followed him because of his miracles. There was something special about his miracles, but if that's not why he came, I mean, he came to die on a cross for our sins, why did Jesus do miracles? And I want to look at John chapter 20, just to kind of get us started here tonight. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John is telling us something very important about the miracles of Jesus. And in John, he actually doesn't call them miracles, he calls them signs. That he did many signs, that he did these wherever he went, and he did so many, he can't even record all of them in the book. And so, the first thing is that there's these signs that Jesus does, and you would think, if God is going to show up here on earth, chances are he's going to do miracles. If God shows up in human form, he's going to do something supernatural. And so when Jesus came, God as man came in the flesh, he did miracles. He did signs. But why did he do these signs? John tells us why he did these signs. He did these signs so that we would believe. That we would believe. He did these signs so that, that, that we would know who he was. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just walking around and, and living a good life, and, 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 but that he was showing us, this is who I am. That I'm from God. That, that he's, that, 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 that he's had, the anointing is upon me that I am the Messiah. This whole idea that we would believe, and by believing, what do we believe? That we would have life in his name. Eternal life. And we know that from John 3.16, that we would have eternal life. But not just eternal life, but abundant life right now. He did signs, miracles, so that we would believe that we would have life. That's God's plan because Jesus walked around this earth doing miracles. And you know what he was saying when he was doing those miracles? He would touch the eyes of a blind man and he could see. And what Jesus was saying is you were never meant to be blind. It was never meant to be this way. He feeds the 5,000. He's saying you were never meant to be hungry. But we live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a broken place. We, we live where evil is all around us. And Jesus walked around and, he, and miracle after miracle says, it wasn't meant to be this way. What I created was perfect. It was beautiful. And it will be beautiful again. Believe in me. Believe in me. And then you'll have life. You'll have abundant life now, eternal life forever. Believe in me. It was never meant to be like this. And so wherever Jesus walked, hell crumbled beneath his feet. I love that. He never met a sick person he couldn't heal. 
He never met a, a, a demon-possessed person that he couldn't cast out that demon. Wherever Jesus walked, hell crumbled. It was Jesus saying, this is who I am. I am God in the flesh. I am here. I am here. It is me. This is who I am. How many of you need a miracle-working Savior? And I don't know about you, but my hand is, I need, especially this week, I need a miracle-working Savior. She did seven signs in, in the Gospel of John. He did many more in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but seven in the book of John. And we'll look at all seven of those next week as we kind of travel through this. But this is introduction. And so I'm going to do the first miracle that Jesus uh, performed at the wedding at Cana. And I actually preached on this last Easter, but I'm just going to review it for you quickly before we talk about what does Jesus want us to do with this and how do we draw near to him. John chapter 2 is the story of the first miracle that Jesus performs. And beginning of verse 1, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind the Jews used for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though his servants, who had drawn the water, knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. When Jesus, what Jesus did here in the Cana of Galilee was the first signs though, through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the first miracle Jesus does, the first sign that led to the belief of the disciples. Now, Mark Patterson's going to go into much more depth, but let me review what I teach about this miracle. First of all, it's the first miracle Jesus does. It's a famous miracle, right? Everybody knows Jesus turns water into wine. In fact, it's almost a joke more than a miracle, right? And you ask yourself, why would you do that for your first miracle? I mean, seriously, Jesus, I mean, you can do anything. You can raise the dead. You can feed 5,000 people, and you choose to come out of the gates with changing water into wine. If I was Jesus, I probably would have done something different, but I'm not Jesus. So let me tell you exactly why he did that. These kids are getting married. It's a young couple. The, the, the young man has asked the father and arranged for this marriage. They have everything set, they're ready to go, and so they get married on the big day, and now they have the celebration. Celebration is a big deal back then. They have this huge banquet that would go on for days, and, and all these people are invited. Everybody in town's invited. You had to invite everybody if you're going to have that kind of wedding. You provide everything for the wedding, including the wedding garments, and 
you see a lot of Jesus' parables talking about weddings and wedding garments, but you provide everything, and so you have everybody over to your house. You're having this huge celebration, and you're there to provide for everyone as they celebrate, and then you run out of wine. That's really a disgrace when you've invited everybody over and you haven't planned very well, and, and now you're out of wine. That young couple, for the rest of their life, will be known as the young couple that ran out of wine at their wedding. That will be their shame that they carry for the rest of their life. They will be at their 50th wedding anniversary, and people will point at them and say, do you remember, their, do you remember they're the ones that ran out of wine? This is going to haunt them for the rest of their life. Not their own fault, but this is going to trail them for the rest of their life. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes their shame away. And instead of being known for the rest of their life as the couple that ran out of wine at the wedding, you know what they're going to remember it as? You remember that couple? They saved the best for last. That was the best ever. And he changed it from shame to abundance. Let me tell you why Jesus did this as his first miracle. The reason is, is because he was showing this is why I came. I came to take your shame away. I came to take the, the thing that was going to haunt you for the rest of your life and all of eternity. I'm taking that and I'm reversing that and now I'm giving you abundant life. That's why he came. And he's showing us in this miracle that's why I'm here. All the way through to the last miracle that actually happens at a funeral. Isn't that interesting? Starting at a wedding, ending at a funeral. That Jesus is saying, I'm here for your whole life. From beginning to end. And I'm here to do my work in your life. And I will show you who I am. And he says... My time has not yet come. And a lot of people kind of trip over that. What does he mean, my time has not yet come? It's actually a phrase that is used over and over and over again throughout the Gospel of John until the very end of Jesus' life when he's going to the cross. And he says, my time has come. The reason I came, I didn't come to do all these miracles. I didn't come to, to just put on a show. I've come to die on a cross for their sins. I, I came to be their Savior. But on the way to the cross, I will do these miracles to show them who I am, that they might believe in me and that they might have life. That's why he came. Each miracle Jesus will do over the next seven weeks has a purpose. And the purpose is to point us toward who he is. To point us to the Savior, that we would believe in him and have life in his name. But the important part of this is that he did signs that we might believe. See, what's important about the signs, and obviously this one leads to the belief of the disciples, but this is important that they might believe, that we might have faith. Faith is probably the essential ingredient in the miracle ministry of Jesus. And we'll point that out in the weeks to come, that there's always faith when Jesus does a miracle, we see Mary having faith, don't we, in this miracle? Just do whatever he tells you. He's got this under control. You know, this idea of faith, and you may say, well, I don't have great faith like that. Jesus says, give me your mustard seed size faith. Give me whatever faith you've got. Put it in me. Put it in me, and there will be life. See, he's saying, I want you to have 
faith. Put your faith in God. And then when you see a miracle, you know what's going to happen? Your faith will start to grow. And that's the power of testimonies. I believe that's the power of Don Piper standing behind this pulpit last week and telling his testimony because then we know God does answer prayer. God does do miracles. And if he can raise somebody from the dead, surely he can do something in my life. We have to allow what Jesus meant these things to do to increase our faith because his miracles made him famous. They made him famous. There's a couple... Verses, I'll just give you real quickly here. Mark chapter 1, verse 28. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Luke 14, or 4.14 says that Jesus uh, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. There's, there's verses like this all over the Gospels that Jesus is doing these miracles and, and people are starting to follow him. The good news of Jesus, the good news, what he's doing is leading to belief and following, and and, and he becomes famous, and they start crowding around him. They wanted to be with Jesus. Let me tell you, when you get to know Jesus, he will be all that you want. When you get to know Jesus, he will be all that you want. Where are you putting your focus, your attention? A lot of times we, we, we look at the economy, and when the economy doesn't do well, then we, we start to get sad, or we, we look to politicians, oh, maybe they can help us, and when that falls through, we get sad. When you find Jesus, that's all you want. He's all you want. Here's the bottom line. We need the presence of Jesus in our life. We need to follow as they did back then. We need to get close to Jesus. They wanted to get close. They pressed in. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to be close to them. They wanted to hear his words. We need to do that as well. We are a worshiping church. This is why we gather together to worship and be close to Jesus. And Mark says it. Mark Batterson says this in his book. The closer you get to God the closer you will get to his anointing. Isn't that good? The closer you get to God, the closer you will get to his anointing. So let me ask you the question I asked you at the beginning. Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle? I know you do. Because I see the prayer requests every week. There was a day a number of years ago when I would get the prayer requests at the beginning of each week and I would literally have anxiety as I read through them. But then I realized there's nothing I can do. But I know there's someone who can do more than I could ask or think. And so do you need a miracle? Do you need healing? Are you in trouble? Do you need wisdom? Are you at the end of your rope? Does it look impossible? Do you have anxiety, worry? Let me give you a verse from the Gospel of John. John 15, 7. Here it is. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But what is the first part? 
if you remain in me, if you're close to me, if you follow me, when you find out who God is, he's all you want. And that's why I want us to worship the Lord tonight. That's why I want us to be close to God before we go, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus. Because I want to be close to him. Because when I remain in him, ask whatever I want, it's done in his name. He does signs that we might believe that we might have life. We bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight. And we are going to worship the Lord. We have a reason to sing. We have a God who uh, answers prayer. We have a God who's still in the miracle business. We have a Savior who came, who did miracles to show off who he was. And I want to tell you, he is still doing that today. I want us to get so close to Jesus that we would remain in him and him in us. That whatever we ask, it'll be done for us. Lord, tonight we turn our eyes to you. We just... um, Jesus, we're just thinking about you tonight. We're drawing near to you tonight. God, we're just beginning this this journey of of miracles. Lord, we're not going to arrive, Lord, on the first night. But Lord, we know what you say in your word. So God, we want to be close to you. We want to use these seven weeks to, to press in like they did in, in, in the days you walked this earth, they would press in just to touch you or, or to hear your voice or for you to bless them or bless their children. God, we want to press into you. We want to remain in you. Whatever we ask, whatever we wish, it would be done. God, we need so many miracles in our life. There's so much that we need. And Lord, we're not going to look to this world. We're not going to look to ourselves anymore. We're going to look to you, Jesus. And we're going to draw near to you. We believe in you tonight, Jesus. You are all that we want. So we stand and sing together tonight. Would you stand with me as we just worship the Lord for a few moments as we draw near to God? And don't miss this opportunity to get really close to God.